I could pick anything and think of you. This lamp, the wind still rain, the glossy blue my pen exudes drying mat upon the page. I could choose any hero, any cause or age and sure as shooting arrows to the heart, astride a dappled mare, legs braced as far apart as standing in silver stirrups will allow. There you'll be, with furrowed brow and chain mail glinting to set me free, one eye smiling, the other firm upon the enemy. This post-post-modern age is all business, compact discs and faxes, a do-it-now-and-take-no-risks event. Today, a hurricane is nudging up the coast. Oddly male, big bad Floyd, who brings a host of daydreams, awkward reminiscences of teenage crushes on worthless boys whose only talent was to kiss you senseless. They all had sissy names, Marcel, Percy, Dewey, were as thin as licorice and as chewy, sweet with a dark and hollow centre. Floyd's cussing up a storm. Your bunkered in your eerie, I'm perched in mine, twin desks, computers, huddled floors. We're content, but fall short of the divine. Still, it's embarrassing, this happiness. Who's satisfied simply with what's good for us? When has the ordinary ever been news? And yet, because nothing else will do to keep me from melancholy, call it the blues, I fill this stolen time with you. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss how Rita Dove presents the concept of contentment in a touching poem, Cozy Apologia. American Pulitzer Prize winning poet Rita Dove uses the time before Hurricane Floyd hits the US in 1999 to reflect on and defend the joy of simple contentment, the glorious ordinariness of a marriage to fellow writer, Fred Vivan. Using Latin to entitle her poem Cozy Apologia, Dove immediately elevates the mundane nature of her contentment in a language long associated with the scholarly elite. It could also be argued that it's a nod to the polemical writings of politicians, giving her writing even higher status. She is defiant as she begins a defence of contentment in relationships, dedicating her work to Fred himself. Her first stance is reflective as she languidly scans a room and knows that she could pick anything and it would remind her of her beloved Fred. Dove's triple of this lamp, the rain, the glossy blue ink, reveals that Fred's everywhere to her and his presence within these objects is reassuring. Yet then... 20th century ordinariness shifts to medieval fairy tale as Duff bestows Fred with hero status, complete with dappled mare as he's standing in silver stirrups and he's transformed into the quintessential knight in shining armour. Indeed, the wonderful and slightly comical image of him standing with furrowed brow and chainmail glinting presents him as the only one who can rescue his damsel in distress as he has one eye smiling, the other firm upon the enemy. It's as if her Fred, in all of his ordinariness, even his name sounds somewhat ordinary and far from Lancelot-like, is protecting Dove and their marriage, and to her, a man who protects their happiness and contentment is worthy of a knighthood. Appearing to be lamenting the lack of romanticism and excitement in this post-postmodern age of the modern day, the US Poet Laureate points out the dullness of compact discs, taxes and the take-no-risks culture of today's society. It's a sudden shift in tone from the earlier fantasy in stanza one to bring us back to reality, 
Interestingly, she's not content with the banality of these elements of normal life. Yet Dove then casually reveals that a hurricane is nudging up the coast, a clearly ominous development. Christening the storm Big Bad Floyd, she sounds like she's almost daring the storm to hit. After she's, after all, she has her Fred to protect her, and she's clearly content to let him do so. However, this childlike name-calling then leads us to her awkward reminiscences of worthless boys. Dove's comical reflections that their only talent was to cliche senseless is a far cry from Fred's life-saving presence alone. To her, the boys offer no contentment, but their irritants, sissies, and a juvenile language prolongs the attack on them as she compares them to traditional childhood sweets who are thin as licorice. Going on to declare them dark and hollow, to her, they are so insubstantial and worthless. Turning her attention in the last stanza to the one who matters most to her, Fred, Dover then reminds us that he is bunkered in his eyrie while she is perched in hers. Now thoughts of Fred elicit beautiful imagery from our speaker once again, as the pair are presented like lovebirds waiting out a storm. It's worth noting that the ordinariness of the poet's workspace with twin desks, computers, hardwood floors, don't damage the image for her. Dove is content to share this experience with Fred wherever they may be. In this final period of reflection, she considers how we're content but fall short of the divine. It's a poignant phrase to suggest the happiness she shares with Fred is total, but it's not some kind of sacred gift, it's simply ordinary. It's even embarrassing being so happy. So we can deduce that others struggle to understand their contentment. Dove goes on to point out that no one really cares about the ordinary and it will never make TV headlines, but for her, nothing else will do. In fact, the ordinariness of a relationship with Fred encapsulates pure contentment and in a final moving line, she renders Fred not just her partner, but her healer, keeping her from melancholy as she therefore lovingly and intimately addresses Fred to tell him she fills this stolen time with you.